Sounds like it might be an interesting time. Good morning. Good to see you. Go ahead and have your Bible ready. I'll give you a scripture in just a minute. We're actually going to do something a little different than what I would normally do anyway in, in Sunday school. Um, and we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. I got a handout for you, which will have those on, the, on there anyway. So, And we'll give everybody who wants to opportunity to, to read, uh, participate in that way. But... Uh, once I give you the handout, which will be just momentarily, uh, the places we're going to look at are going to be on there. So again, you can see them ahead of time. And if you want to read that one, you can turn to it ahead of time and be ready. We'll just ask for volunteers when we do it. All right, so we'll do it that way. This is, of uh, course, um, Christmas season. All right, I guess is a fair way to say it. Um, obviously, next Sunday is actually Christmas Day. So... I mean, oftentimes when, um, uh, you know, in years gone by, like, you know, around Christmas time, I'd do Christmas messages, look at passages and so on relating to that, I guess, which is kind of normal. So this is kind of, uh, in a little way, born out of that, that uh, thought there. But, you know, Christmas um, is supposed to be, you know, about the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I mean, and, and in some ways, it's still a time of the year, even, even in our secular culture, where at least there is still opportunity around this time of the year because of that, that uh, people, you know, are a little more open to talk about some things and so on. But that's supposed to be about the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, and all. But I want us to look this morning at, um, I'm going to call it this, following the trail of Christ or Christ's trail through the scriptures. I mean, the story of Jesus didn't begin at the stable or the manger, which you're aware of that, okay, um, on that so-called first Christmas, all right? The, the story, if you want to say, of, of Jesus goes way back, of course, way, way, way back to eternity past. And uh, turn first of all this morning to John chapter 1, that's where I want to start, and um, you know when you think of Christmas passages, Christmas scriptures, uh, you know there are probably certain few that typically come to mind to people, you know, um, which actually we're probably not even going to look at any of those this morning, but um, uh, You'll, you'll see as we, what I'm talking about as we go. Could, would you mind passing those out? All right, thank you. John will get those to you, and uh, we'll give just a second to get those passed out. And um, John chapter 1, this, this particular passage of Scripture is, I think, probably one of the best, um, it's one of the best passages of Scripture in the Bible as far as presenting who the Lord Jesus Christ really is, but uh, I think as well, it obviously then it ties with the theme, if you want to say, of Christmas, because it's talking about Him as who He is and, uh, and so on. Um, but John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, a lot of people wouldn't think this, you know, associate this scripture with Christmas, so to speak, but um, obviously it is very pertinent to, uh, to that because it's giving us indication of who the Word, God the Son, is. All right, He is God the Son, and He's always been that. He eternally exists as God, God the Son. There was a point in time, of course, when he became a man, and that's what most people associate, of course, uh, you know, with, with Christmas, which later on down here in verse 14 of chapter 1, and the Word was made flesh. There was a point in time when he became flesh, he became a man, and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, uh, his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, so the Word in eternity past, He's the Word of creation. You can go back to Genesis chapter 1 and see uh, how the worlds, the universe, were brought about. They were brought about by the Word of God, which uh, in at least some way of looking at it is by the Lord Jesus. Um, And numerous times that, uh, particularly in the New Testament, uh, the Bible Uh, reiterates that Jesus was the agent of creation, Um, and and that's important. Obviously, uh, if he's the creator, he's not a created being, Um, which is uh, obviously, again, very, very important. After Jesus' resurrection, you remember this, that on later on the resurrection day in uh, in Luke's gospel, for instance, um, we have the account of Jesus... Uh, meeting up with two uh, disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus, not Emmaus, Pennsylvania, but uh, the road to Emmaus. Um, And uh, in the course of that conversation that took place, uh, the verses are on here, Luke 24, 25 through 27 says this, Then he, that's Jesus here, said unto them, the two, two that he was walking with, he said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And that's a question. And by the way, that's, that's what you would call a rhetorical question. He asked it because there, in the way he asked it, there's an obvious answer to that. And the point being, when, when Jesus spoke those words, it's as if You know, you had all the information really that you need available to know all these things. Um, But there was a lot of misconception, just very, very much like today. People have, you know, we have the scriptures, but a lot of people have their their conceptions based on maybe a number of different factors, but they have their conceptions of what this should be or what that should be and so on when it is very often not what the Bible teaches. And, uh, and so they had, this, they had the Old Testament scriptures, and this is then what Jesus, he continues, he says, and beginning, the Bible says here, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the, the things concerning himself. And so how did Jesus um, help those who didn't understand and so on all the things that were necessary about him, he took them back to the Old Testament. And 
basically walk through the scriptures. In fact, uh, here it says, beginning in Moses, of course, the five books of Moses, and all the prophets. Uh, he expounded unto them, and then it says, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Later on in that same chapter, which would have been later on that same day, that resurrection day, Jesus miraculously appears in the room with the others, with the apostles, and I think there were others present there as well. But um, in the course of talking with them, of course, they're all, you know, like surprised, happily surprised, but surprised that he was resurrected. I mean, they, they knew he was dead, but he was standing there, you know, resurrected, alive. And then in, in the course of that event, that conversation, tells us later on in that chapter, down in verse 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved, or it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. So notice there in that second uh, example there in Luke 24, it specifies in Moses, all right, the law of Moses, and the prophets, and, um, and then it says, and in the Psalms concerning me, all right, uh, references there to all three. The, the, uh, the Hebrew Old Testament, it, it's the same books, the same content, okay, as our 39 books that we have in our, in our English Bible, in our King James, okay. They're arranged differently, and they're, they're arranged in three sections. The, the law, the prophets, which is divided into two sections, the former prophets and the later prophets, and then um, and then the writings, which is all the other books, all right, which the biggest book in that section is the Psalms, and so sometimes that section was just referred to as the Psalms, but it didn't necessarily mean just the Psalms, it was the whole section, um, and which seems to be the case there. So point is, Jesus was taking them through throughout the entire Old Testament, all right, from the law, the prophets, the writings, you know, the Psalms, Everything, all right, throughout the whole, and he's showing them scriptures, expounding to them, it says, the things concerning himself. That would have been a wonderful, a wonderful exposition to hear. Hear Jesus take the scriptures and explain all those things. That, that would be wonderful. Um, we don't have the words that he said right then in that meeting recorded for us in Luke's gospel, but that would have been wonderful to hear. So, my attempt this morning is going to fall way short of that, okay, for sure. But what I want to do this morning is just kind of with the time we have, and I don't, I, don't, I don't really have any idea whether we'll get through this list or not, okay? I don't know. But the point is you have the list yourself now, so you can look at it later if you want. All right? But so what I want to do the, kind of the same thing that Jesus did in the sense of look at the law, the prophets, and then the other writings in the Old Testament, and look at, and, and there's, there's more statements, of course, that could be put on this list. These are what I would consider some of the major passages that, that are important in the messianic prophecy layout of the Old Testament, all right? Um, again, there's, there's 
other references and so on that could be included, but, um, but these are some major, major prophecies, I guess you could say, here regarding this. So let's go ahead. We'll have a word of prayer real quick, and then we'll, we'll just, uh, just kind of go through this list, and I'll do my best to limit uh, commentary, so to speak, on them, and we'll let the scriptures kind of speak for themselves. Um, I got the scriptures listed, and then kind of just a little heading, I guess you would say, beside them, again, uh, for uh, just being able to associate it there. Um, but let, let's kind of, we'll do that approach, right? So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll just uh, do this. And again, I want to give you opportunity, if any, whoever wants to read, take volunteers, you have the scriptures there, so you can be turning ahead of time, all right? So uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. And uh, obviously, as this time of the year approaches, those who know you and want to put a priority on you and your word and so on, obviously in our minds, this season's all about the Lord Jesus. Um, Father, obviously that's not the case in our world. But uh, uh, we pray that you just help us and maybe even through this uh, at least these scriptures and so on this morning, maybe even this week, we might have opportunity to demonstrate from the scriptures uh, the Lord Jesus and uh, his, uh, the fact that he was talked about throughout the Old Testament and then uh, obviously presented in fulfillment of all that in the New Testament. But uh, help us, Lord, to prioritize you uh, and a relationship with you as we ought. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so first of all, looking at the Old Testament, and I say it that way because I do have a section, just small section on the New Testament uh, here at the end of this, but the law of Moses, let's begin there, that, was the, that is the first section uh, in the Old Testament, and uh, so let's go back, we'll just look at these scriptures again, Genesis chapter 3, which is generally regarded as the first messianic prophecy in the, in the Bible. All right, Genesis chapter 3, <coughs> you're, I'm sure, familiar, <coughs> excuse me, with the verse. But uh, think about this as this is read. Is there anybody who didn't get a handout yet? We got some more we can give out. I know there'll be probably some more coming in here in just a second. But Genesis chapter 3 Keep in mind this, the context of this verse, all right? This is the um, recording in the scripture of, uh, if you want, I, I don't, I'll put it this way, sin's entrance into the world, all right, through, of course, Adam and Eve, their transgression um, and all. And this is part of the, the section of God's response to that, okay, which really begins when he starts asking them where they are and so on. And then in verse 14, you can see God is speaking. He's pronouncing the effects of sin here uh, on them. All right. And so let's, uh, let's do this. Let me, let's read verses 14 through 20. All right. So maybe we could just do it this way. If we have a section of verses, we'll just start and then read through like that when we have just a single verse if somebody wants to who who might be next wants to skip that's fine but if you'll start then pastor brinker 14 through 20 and the lord god said unto the serpent because thou hast done this thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust thou shalt 
shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And, <clears throat> and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Then shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. All right, in this passage, again, this is, this is God's response concerning man's sin. Now, Genesis 3.15 was the particular statement verse that's uh, one for our attention here. And notice here, the, there's one prophesied, or God says this is going to happen, all right? Um, so it's not just a prophetic statement in the sense of somebody saying something that might happen. This is God saying what's going to happen, all right? And he, he refers to someone coming, and he calls that someone the seed of the woman. All right, now again, there's, there's a lot of things involved in here, and I already said I'm going to try to keep my comments limited here, but, you know, let your, let your mind start thinking here, all right? That's, that's obviously different than the typical seed of a man and woman, all right, together. This is the seed of the woman, uh, and, and you understand a lot of things then that are connected with that. But think about this. This, this struck me actually even just uh, either last night or this morning looking through this again. Who is God talking to in verse 15? He's talking to the serpent, or you could say he's talking to Satan here, right? But think about this. It's like Satan just got this little... <laughs> victory in this little battle because he just enticed uh, man to sin, right? But God's just saying, you know what? This isn't the end, and this is what's going to happen. And when he, when he tells Satan that the seed is coming, I mean, he's, he's basically telling him, eh, your end's coming, all right? Because that seed is going to bruise his head. He's going to smash the head of the serpent, all right? Which has yet to happen. It will happen one day, all right? But, uh, but anyway, so this is, again, generally looked at as the first prophecy of Messiah in the Old Testament. Jump down, and there's probably some other things you could stop along the way, but let's go to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. <coughs> Pardon me. And then, I don't know where we stopped, but... So just kind of keep track of that, and if you're, uh, again, if you're not wanting to read, just kind of pass it along to the, to the next person. But in, in this, whoever's next, if you could read Genesis 22, 18, but then if somebody could get Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 also, because I want you to see a statement there, all right? So Genesis 22, verse 18. 
And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. All right. Before Andy reads Galatians 3 there then, I think he's getting ready to do that. Um, this is uh, the Lord talking to whom? Who, who, who is in this? It's Abraham, all right? And this isn't the first time God's promised him blessing and, and seed and so on. But in this particular passage, God's emphasizing a seed that will come through Abraham. And the way it's worded, Galatians chapter 3, Paul there writing is looking back on this and making a special designation about this. So. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. All right, so there we have the answer who this verse is talking about, all right? Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, points it out for us that this is referring to the seed of Abraham, which would be Messiah, Christ, all right? Uh, so the Lord Jesus not only was going to be the seed of the woman, which again, that in itself just eliminates everybody else because every other person that's ever walked on this earth is the seed of a father and mother, human father and mother. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that, humanly speaking, can be said to be the seed of the woman exclusively. All right? Um, but not only the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham. And again, keep in mind, this is the book of Genesis, which is the book of what? The beginnings. It's laying the foundation for everything. All right? And God is he's starting in very slow. And this is how you see throughout the Old Testament how God gave information. It's, you know... Here a little, there a little. I mean, and, and everything kind of just builds and expands and, and gets more and, and as it goes. But he's, he's laying foundations here, but he's really starting to funnel, all right? He's not only going to be the seed of the woman, just the woman, but then through all of that, he's also going to be the seed of Abraham. And now uh, Genesis 49, 10, if somebody uh, can get that one real quick, all right? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. All right, this is that passage where Jacob is blessing his sons before his death. And in as he's talking to his son Judah, all right, that's the one he's talking to and about here in this particular verse, um, he specifies that the seed... The one who is going to have the scepter, so who's that? The ruler, all right, the rightful king, he's going to come from Judah, all right? So again, now you had the woman, all right, but then you have Abraham. Now, Abraham, in, in reality, there's a lot of possible seeds from Abraham, but here, specifically, this prophesies that he will be of the tribe of Judah, all right, and... Uh, and Anyway, all right, so Numbers chapter 24, let's go to that one next, all right, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to take these in order of the, the books in this section, all right, so Numbers 24, two verses here that we, we need to read, um, is it your turn, John? Just, just read both of them, if you would, right now. 24, 16 and 17 says... He hath said, which heard the words of God, and knew uh, the knowledge of the Most High, which saw 
uh, saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. All right, this is an interesting passage here in a lot of ways. And this one directly relates to more to Christmas as a lot of people would think about it because this is a prophecy about a star, all right? And um, specifically, all right, this is a star associated with Israel. It's a star associated with the scepter of Israel. Now, we already know from Jacob's words to, to uh, his, his sons, to Judah particularly there, whose lineage is this scepter going to, to be in, the ruling, right, through Judah, right? So, uh, again, this is, this is a, a prophecy associated with a star and a scepter, right? So, um, in, everybody's familiar with this, so we won't read it, but just think of this, all right? Matthew chapter 2, we have the account of wise men, magi, coming from the east to Jerusalem, all right? And they, they come to Jerusalem, why? Well, that's the capital, all right, of, of there, and they're coming looking for who? The one that was born king of the Jews, all right? So they go to the, again, they go to the headquarters, right, to find the king. Makes sense, all right? That's all they knew, by the way, all right? Now, but here's the thing, I say that's all they knew, is that they were looking for the one who was born king, all right? But how did they know that? It's an interesting thing, yeah. They said they have seen his star, not just any star, it's a particular star, but his star. Now, who is the him? The one who was born king of the Jews. All right, anyway, there's a, there's a lot of things we could mention in this. Again, I'm trying to keep my comments short, but in Numbers 24, the passage that, that John just read, this is Balaam speaking. Now, he's uttering a prophecy that God gave him. Now, this, that's, a, that's a very incredibly unique situation, the whole thing with Balaam, and I don't want to get into all that right now. But, but he utters this prophecy. Now, Balaam was from where? You can just word it this way. He was from the east. Where did the wise men in Matthew 2 come from? The east, all right? Anyway, there's a lot of things involved in that, but those wise men knew Balaam's prophecy. That's why they came to, to Jerusalem, all right, to find the one who had been born uh, king of, of the Jews, all right? Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 18, another messianic prophecy in the law, all right? I'm not sure who's next. We got four verses here. We can, we can read these consecutively, next four people if you would. Deuteronomy 18 verses 15 through 19, might be five verses. Prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him you shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God, and Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. 
I will raise them up a prophet from among the brethren, from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whoever will not hearken unto my words which he has spoke, spake in my name, I will require of them. All right, before I make a couple comments here, if somebody can go to the John 1 passages, read 21 and 25 just in just a second, have those ready. Um, here's a prophecy in Deuteronomy uh, before Moses' death that, that God through Moses said there's going to be a, a prophet. This is not just any prophet, that, uh, like an Old Testament prophet. This is a special prophet that was going to come. In fact, God uses a couple descriptions in that passage and he says that he's going to be a prophet like unto Moses, all right? Which, again, Moses was different than any of the other prophets in the Old Testament. Um, and, and there's a number of things about that, but uh, which, again, we don't have time to get into right now. But so a special prophet. Now, there are several times in the New Testament, all right, where, and I have the references there for the specific verses, but there's several times in the New Testament where, Either someone was asked, okay, or the question was asked by Jesus, or, but, but where he's associated with being that prophet. And this is the reference that that's going back to, this special prophet that, the old te- that Moses prophesied about. So if somebody could read the John 1, I'm not sure, somebody there? Yeah. All right, Pastor. 21 and 25. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Verse 25. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? All right. Now, in that, both those verses in that context, that's, it's about John the Baptist there, right? He's being asked by people, are you Moses? Are you not Elias? Are you that prophet? So the people were expecting that prophet sometime, okay? So in other words, he had his, it wasn't again, just Moses, Elijah, or one of the prophets, it's that Prophet. So there was this idea that they, they knew that there was this special prophet to be looking for. Okay? And, uh, and, and is somebody close enough to read uh, verse 14 of chapter 6? All right, Andy. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. All right, now this is in that, uh, the bread of life. Jesus had broken the bread and fed the 5,000 and then all the ramifications after that. Uh, I think that you'd referenced that recently. Uh, but notice what those people are saying. They're saying, this has to be that prophet. And there they're talking about Jesus. Okay? But again, that's what, they're talk- that's what that statement goes back to is Deuteronomy 18 and this special prophet that was prophesied of in the Old Testament, all right? Um, Acts chapter 3, Peter's preaching, and he's making reference to Jesus being that prophet, 
All right, he directly associates Jesus with being that prophet. All right, so we won't take the time to read it right now. Let's move on. We've got a little bit of time left. We jump to the next section of the Old Testament, or again, the way it's ordered uh, in, in the Jews' Bible, all right, the, old, the Hebrew Old Testament, the prophets. All right, um, and so first of all in that is Isaiah. We'll, we'll, you'll notice that there's a number of references in Isaiah, but... Uh, Isaiah 7.14, a familiar verse, quoted uh, several times, I guess, in the New Testament. But Isaiah 7.14, somebody read that? All right, Debbie. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right, there, remember Genesis uh, 3.15 talked about the seed of the woman. All right, just kind of a generic statement, but, but it's, when you start thinking about what could that be, it is obviously restricted. Isaiah 7, 14, it's in a, it's in a, a bigger prophecy, of course, that Isaiah is issuing on behalf of God to actually King Ahaz here. But, uh, but in the scope of that, he's saying, I'm going to give you, and it's not just Isaiah or Ahaz. In fact, it goes way beyond him. He's talking about to Israel, to his Old Testament people. He's going to give them a sign, right? And that sign is that a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son, right? But it goes on more specific than that. That son is going to be who? He's going to be called Emmanuel, which means what? It's even stated in that verse. means God with us. So there, when you start again, you start pulling, remember, just how God, he, he gives here and here and here and all this, it's not like it's all completely different. It's just more information that adds to the picture that's already been just kind of exposed a little bit, you might say. God's giving more and more and more and more and more, uh, you know, view of that picture. But now he's saying, this one is not just going to be the seed of the woman, not just going to be a virgin who brings this child into the world, but he's also going to be God. I mean, who is it that can qualify with the, with, with the description, God with us, other than God? <laughs> All right? Uh, in fact, in, in, there are several chapters here in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a, a neat book. I'm, uh, just a, a very unique book in the Old Testament. It, it is full of, of uh, salvation. It's full of, of things about the Messiah and so on. But it, it, the book of Isaiah has these little sections in it, you could say, that have different names given by, by, uh, by Bible students and so on. But this is, there's several chapters here, Isaiah 7, 8, and 9, which we're going to reference here. Uh, they're in the section that's called, often called the book of Emmanuel, all right, because you have this, uh, this one coming who's introduced as being Emmanuel, all right? So uh, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, if somebody can get that. I know I went completely out of order probably with that, but all right, John? Isaiah 8, 9 and 10. Associate yourselves, O ye people, and ye shall be broken in pieces, and give ear all ye a fair countries. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken. Yes, for the twice. Uh, verse 10 says, Take counsel together, and it shall come. Uh, 
to not speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. All right, notice the last phrase there, for God is with us. In, in Hebrew, it's literally Emmanuel, all right? And it's just translated in English, if you want to say out, for God is with us. But again, a reference to this one, Emmanuel, all right? Uh, some, can somebody get chapter 9, verses 6 and 7? These are familiar verses, uh, particularly this time of the year. For unto us, a child is, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulder, and his name should be called Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace, there should be no end. On the throne of David and upon his kingdom, order it to establish it with judgment, and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is All right, there's a lot in those verses, and we could spend the entire time just talking about those. But clearly you see there that there's going to be, it's a prophecy, there will be a child, but specifically a son, and that son's going to have... He's going to meet a number of qualifications laid out in those verses. Specifically, he's referred to as Emmanuel, which is God with us. He's going to be God. In fact, in that passage, he's called the, one of his uh, titles is the Almighty God. <laughs> I mean, you can't get more clear than that, that this is a child that's going to be born who is, a, who is also the Almighty God, which is a... A Hebrew, uh, an Old Testament reference to none other than God, than Jehovah. I mean, uh, this is, again, it's, and it's easy for us to look back, okay, and see this. Hindsight's twenty twenty vision. But, uh, but what I'm getting at is they had the information. And when Jesus talks to those people on his resurrection day, he says, you should have known this. And then he goes back and goes through all of this, and, and maybe a lot more. I, I don't know what all he specifically uh, went through on that day. But so a wonderful place there. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's just skip this because we looked at this in Sunday school, that, that uh, portion, uh, just a few weeks back. Isaiah chapter 11 is that passage that talks about the branch, the stem of Jesse. Remember that? Coming out of the stem of Jesse. All right, so then... Uh, in Isaiah 42, let's skip that one for right now as well, but there the Messiah is referenced as the servant of Jehovah, all right? And then there's a portion there of Isaiah where the focus on, uh, is on the Lord's servant, Jehovah's servant who's going to come. And included in that is a couple of these others, Isaiah 49, We're, we'll, we'll skip that one for right now, the discouragement of Jehovah's servant. In Isaiah 50, you have a, uh, another prophecy there about the training of Jehovah's servant, how he's going to be prepared, all right? But let's go to one that that's makes you know, more connection to you here, Isaiah 52. This will be a passage we can just, if, somebody, if we can get a, a succession of people reading this, Isaiah 52, uh, verse, beginning at verse 13 through, through chapter 53. Verse 12 of chapter 53. Uh, keep in mind that in, in really in the, in, in, in the Bible, all right, as it was given, there wasn't chapter and verse divisions. So, I mean, this just all went together, all right? When chapter and verse divisions, it, it kind of divides where this really begins in chapter 52 and, uh, and all. But if somebody can begin at chapter 52, verse 12, I think that's what I got listed, right? Thir verse 13. And then down through chapter 
uh, 53. Somebody can start that. We'll just consecutively read that. Who Would you want to start, Brother Ann? Are you there? Is anybody there? Who's there? All right, Esther. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his uh, visage was so marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. So shall be strength of many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall be received. And that which who have believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and, and we hid as it were our faces from him. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb with slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? And he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise it, he hath put him to grief. But thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the trouble of his soul, and he shall satisfy by the knowledge. Shall my righteous servants justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide his spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. All right, there's a, a whole lot in this passage here as well, but uh, really the whole gospel is included in this portion of Scripture here. It's, a, it's a, an awesome passage of Scripture. Uh, given to Isaiah 750 years before Jesus was born, and uh, details a lot, of, a lot of things that were fulfilled uh, obviously in, in the Lord's death and, and resurrection and so on, involved with, with all that, his burial uh, and everything there. But this passage, of course, talks about the suffering uh, of the servant of Jehovah, who's introduced chapters before, but he's the, the subject of these chapters, the servant of Jehovah, uh, which is, of course, the Lord Jesus. And we know that because of all the Bible, but think of this, in Acts chapter 8, a uh, man named Philip, remember, was preaching and God took him and put him in the desert and he came you know, for the purpose of being, having an interaction with one man, a man from Africa, Ethiopian eunuch, remember? And, uh, and, and 
the way the Acts chapter 8 tells us there that this eunuch was reading from this passage of Scripture. It even quotes several verses here, right? And he asked Philip a question. Do you remember that? Who is this talking about? And then he says, is it the prophet or somebody else? You know, is it, he's talking about himself or somebody else, Isaiah, that is. But Philip's answer, do you remember that? Or what, the way the Bible words it, it, it says there in Acts chapter 8, trying to remember the exact verse, but says that Philip began at that scripture and preached unto him Jesus. We know this is talking about Jesus, all right? Uh, and it's interesting how many of the of Jews today, particularly, they, they have all kinds of, you know, roundabout ways of trying to explain this passage to get away from it, pointing to Jesus. In fact, they don't even want it to point to Messiah because, again, that, uh, they're, they're in trouble when they, when they have to admit all of that. But this is, this is probably, at least, you know, and this is kind of my opinion here, but this is probably the most problematic portion of the Old Testament for Jews today. And uh, they, they don't like this passage of Scripture. They don't like dealing with it, put it that way is what I should say. Um, but anyway, uh, and, and we're out of time, but there's a number of other, uh, other things that, uh, that uh, are prophecies in the Old Testament that are very well or could have been included in, in Jesus's, you know, going through the scriptures and talking about all these things concerning himself uh, to these people. Some of these portions of scripture down in the Psalms and so on, we've looked at uh, in, in our studies and throughout some of the Psalms in Sunday school and so, uh, in fact, uh, probably at one time or another, we've touched on every one of those. But uh, definitely this, and I don't have this listed on this page, but let me just ask you this, all right? There are three, three offices that uh, are generally as- associated with the Messiah having fulfilled or will fulfill. Uh, and a couple of those we've already specifically seen laid out, all right? But those are what? They're, he's prophesied to be a prophet, Deuteronomy 18. King, I'll get to that in a second. King, all right, uh, which numerous places definitely do that, but we see that at least beginning in Genesis 49, that the scepter is going to be through Judah, right? And then the idea that he was priest as well. Now, that's, you can see that in Psalm 110, that he's going to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and then that's developed more uh, in the Old Testament, and so on. But obviously, there's no one else that could fulfill all of these prophecies other than the Lord Jesus. And um, anyway, some of you are familiar with that little booklet, you know, the, the silver coins, and, uh, and that's based on a, a, I can't remember his name, I've read it before, but Igor something or another, I think, but he's some mathematician that supposedly, you know, somehow through figuring through math, the probability, the statistical probability, or maybe we should say improbability of someone being able to fulfill all of those prophecies, just one, you know, the same person. And it's, you know, it's like one to the, uh, what, 57th, you know, zeros, whatever number that ends up being. Kazillion. I don't know what the term would be, but you know, I mean, it's it's just astronomical the impossibility that anybody could do that. 
and only the Lord Jesus has, of course. But uh, uh, again, just uh, if you're interested, you have the other, other list of things there, and, and that's not necessarily claiming to be an exhaustive list by any means, all right? But some of the major statements, uh, prophetic statements about Messiah, about Christ that we see fulfilled in the New Testament. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. And help us to, uh, to love you, love him as we ought. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.